Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, December 11th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? Guys, I'm I'm excited because tonight I get to see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse a second time. I'm going back uh, to, to see it again and uh, I'm dragging Kitra to see it because she did not want to see it the first time. So some of us haven't even seen it once. I know so. it is not in the theaters yet. I, I I know that this is probably obnoxious. Yeah, obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I don't know. I I really think this might be my favorite movie of the year. I'm excited to revisit it and see if it holds up um, because I'm I'm trying to lock in, you know, my like top ten because we're going to be doing that on the site and on the podcast and. I'm really wondering if, like, I was just kind of blindsided by this film being so good, or if it actually is, you know, that good. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, anyways, let's jump into the news. Uh, let's first talk about uh, this diehard prequel, McLean, uh, which has been announced for some time now. Uh, our own Fred T- Topel interviewed the producer, and he found out some information on this prequel. Ben, what do we know? So uh, Fred asked about the rating because that's been a big thing in the Die Hard franchise. Of course, Live Free or Die Hard was the PG-13 Die Hard movie that came out in 2007. And then since then, um, I think it was called uh, A Good Day to Die Hard. That was 2013. That was the most recent movie. That one was actually rated R again and sort of uh, theoretically was supposed to be like course correcting from the like family friendly safeness of uh, of live free or die hard but that movie a good day to die hard was just utter garbage so fred asked the producer what we can expect the rating to be you know if if uh, mclean is going to be rated r like the other movies in the series and he said i hope so look i'm not in charge of that would i prefer it absolutely so uh that's a 
again, just because it's rated R doesn't necessarily automatically mean that it's going to be good. Um, he also said uh, part of what McLean is is to get to know the mythology before the movie started. So that's where we're going to meet uh, the characters that we may know from before. And what he's referring to there is that uh, a younger version of Holly McLean or Holly Gennaro, probably as she's going to be known in this movie, in this movie, is uh, is featured in the script. So this is all a big prequel. Um, Bruce Willis is supposed to be in the movie for a considerable amount, not necessarily just uh, bookends at the at the beginning and end of the movie. So, yeah, that's that's the the latest update. Uh, the producer hopes that it's rated R, and um, <laughs> that's sort of what we know about McLean at this point. And I think the producer also said that like the story is going to be like a case from early on in his career, kind of influencing something going on now. Yes, yeah, that's the. I think that's the basic premise is that he, John McClane, is like sixty something years old, and he has a, a present day case that makes him look back on you know his days as a rookie, and there are flashbacks with a younger version of the character, uh, and and those two stories sort of take place uh, simultaneously throughout the the course of the film. Now I know we've been saddled with a more than a couple bad Die Hard movies at this point. Um, and it's easy to mock this concept, but I feel like this concept is actually a kind of clever way to do it. I almost wish they would do this with the Indiana Jones franchise. If they're going to, you know, reboot that, you know, it'd be a good way to send uh, Harrison Ford off and, uh, you know, recover from that last one while introducing a new actor in those shoes. Um, ben, I know you are a huge Die Hard fan. Yes. Is, is, is Are you at all excited about this? Is, are you just nervous or do you just not even want this to happen at all? Um, I would prefer that it didn't happen. Obviously, I have no say in the matter. Uh, I think I'm right there with you, Peter. I think the idea of like the premise of it is not a bad approach. And it sounds like a really cool way to transition completely from, you know, the the classic old school uh interpretation of that character into a fully new you know redone franchise with a brand new actor playing that character the problem is from the very beginning the diehard movies should never have been uh, a franchise it's just the the thing that makes the first diehard so great and we've said this over and over again is just that john mcclain is a normal guy who gets caught in an extraordinary situation so every single time after that Nakatomi Plaza incident that he gets caught in a different extraordinary situation. It just stretches credulity even more. Um, so, and, and of course going back in, in making a prequel is also takes away from like the specialness of the original as well. So uh, for something like Indiana Jones, where that's a character that was designed based specifically on like old pulp serials and stuff like that, where, you know, those 1930s types of adventure stories were in them in and of themselves, like designed with cliffhanger endings and stuff. And that kind of character is meant to have a lot more adventures over the course of a, a period of time. And is, is specifically designed to have several adventures. Um, this idea of the parallel stories taking place works way better for something like Indiana Jones, in my opinion, than it does for something like Die Hard, which I feel like really just should have been a one and done kind of thing. I feel like, and I'm wondering what you think of this, I feel like the problem with Die Hard is it works when it's constrained to a small location. Like Die Hard, you know, in a building, Die Hard in a airport. Uh, I know I like Die Hard 3, Die Hard New York, but I feel like he needs it needs to get 
go back to kind of like a more constrained location, like Die Hard in a casino or something so like, you know, Die Hard in a, you know, a, a casino resort in Dubai or something like that. Like, what, what do you sure. think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. The The general premise of the Die Hard type of movie always works better with, with those sorts of restrictions. Um, I just, again, I, I would rather see maybe like uh, something like Skyscraper that came out earlier this year, but just like a better version of that, like somebody else doing a riff on that kind of thing. If we're going to get this instead of like, oh, well, we're trotting old John McClane back out to do this whole thing <laughs> over and over again. It just seems like, man, this is uh, this is so far away from what the original Die Hard was. Okay, let's move on to some news that hit over the weekend from uh, Comic-Con in Brazil. Uh, they announced the titles for Stranger Things 3 for the episodes in this like teaser trailer that they released online. Brad, you were around to do the, uh, the heavy lifting here and uh, find out or try to speculate what these titles mean. What are the titles and what do they mean? Yeah, this was very annoying because Netflix premiered this Sunday evening. Uh, and it's, it was just like, come on guys, like you could have waited till Monday to do this and not ruin my life, but here we are. So there are eight episodes for the third season of stranger things three. And in the order, uh, in which they will be watched, we have Susie. Do you copy the mall rats, the case of the missing lifeguard, the sauna test, the source, the birthday, the bite and the battle of Starcourt. Almost all of the titles start with the, except for the very first episode, which starts with the name Susie. Um, so, yeah, that's all that was uh, revealed in the teaser, along with the fact that the third season will be set during the summer of 1985, which is a change up from the usual Stranger Things setting, which have taken place during the school year and in, in the fall. So this is the first time the kids won't be in school. Uh, they'll be out having a lot of fun. There's a new mall in Hawkins, Indiana, as we saw in the teaser revealed before of the commercial for Starcourt Mall. Uh, and there's supposed to be you know, some kind of new threat looming this time. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these episode titles uh, progress the, the story of Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah, I mean, that explains why, you know, they'll have more time to spend at the mall because they're probably working at the mall and shopping at the mall and uh, spending more time than just the weekends at the mall because they're not in school. but uh, and, and probably a pool, too, since there's a, a missing lifeguard. Yes. So w w what do we know about these titles? Is there any speculation you can give us that might give us some insight? I mean, there, there's not a lot that we that we do know. The little things that we do know is that um, we know who this lifeguard is that's apparently going to be missing because there was uh, uh, Francesca Real was cast as a lifeguard named Heather who – uh, was said to be a popular lifeguard at the Hawkins Community Pool who becomes the centerpiece of a dark mystery. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's the kind of lifeguard that maybe one of the kids has a crush on or something, like a Wendy Peppercorn in the Sandlot situation, uh, and then she goes missing. So obviously they're all caught up and worried about it. Um, what else is there here? Who, who is Susie? Because that's the, it, you her know, name's in I, the first title. Yeah, that seems to be a big mystery because there isn't a character in Stranger Things named Susie, but th there is a Susan, Susan Hargrove, who is the biological mother of Max, the new girl who came to Hawkins in Stranger Things Season 2, played by Sadie Sink. Um, so I suppose it could be a reference to her, and, but unless, you know, she's talking on a radio with the kids, which is likely since it's Susie, do you copy? Then that, that doesn't seem like it makes sense. 
Uh, one potential um, idea is that maybe Susie is a code name that the kids give to Eleven, so that way it's not so obvious who they're talking to if they're talking to her through a walkie-talkie, because uh, it would be kind of weird if you know the um, you know government conspiracy organization is listening in to radio frequencies and they hear some calling somebody Eleven. They're like, "Oh, that's the girl. Let's go get her." And who's whose birthday is it? Is it Eleven's? And if it is, is she now twelve or thirteen? Uh, <laughs> oh boy! That's, yeah, that's a bad. <laughs> uh, my my guess is that it probably will be Eleven's birthday because I wouldn't be surprised if because of how she grew up and all the experiments that were performed and everything that she never really celebrated a birthday. So it would be kind of a cute special thing if uh, they did have a, a little birthday celebration for her. I would imagine that it probably gets interrupted somehow since it's that episode is towards the end of the season when everything will probably come to a head uh, like it normally does at the, towards the end of a season of television. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, let, Let's talk about some other stuff that came out of this Comic-Con in Brazil, which I guess there's more people that even go there than the Comic-Con in the States. It's like a huge thing. Uh, we might have to cover it next year. Um, uh, w- one thing that was revealed was the trailer for the James Gunn produced horror film, Brightburn, which we had no information of even what that was about. And now kind of like the the, the hook has been revealed here. So if you have not seen this trailer, you might want to pause this podcast and go watch the trailer because we're going to spoil the trailer, I guess. Um, but, uh, yes. So we're going to spoil the trailer for Brightburn and give a reaction. Uh, so basically it turns out this is what if Superman was a horror movie? And I I think this concept is very clever. Um, I'm wondering what you guys think of this, uh, Ben. Yeah, I, I saw this and I was expecting nothing from it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued by this. This is a really cool twist on, uh, some classic iconography. It's it's almost like um, <laughs> like like bordering on DC could come after them, you know, like <laughs> legally. I don't know what the what the line is there in terms of like parody and and satire and like how close they can get. But the way that this trailer is marketed in particular, it looks just like a new Superman movie for the first half of it or something like a another reboot and even down to like the the font that they used, I think is almost the exact same font that appeared in the man of steel trailer and like back in 2013. So, um, this is, uh, yeah, it's a really cool concept. And obviously James Gunn, uh, he directed super and that's another movie that sort of twisted the superhero concept on its head. Um, that was like a decade ago at this point. And, and clearly like guardians of the galaxy, the, the dude knows what he's doing in terms of superhero stuff. So um, he didn't write this one. I think his brothers did. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's a cool concept. Brad, what do you think about this? Yeah, I was very impressed by this trailer, too. Uh, I'm kind of amazed, actually, that no one has done this before. It seems like such a simple twist on on the Superman uh, mythos that I can't believe no one has done it before in, in this way. It seems like such a no brainer idea like of how cool it would be if, you know, there was you know, uh, some alien kid that came down and ended up turned out to be uh, an omen kind of character as opposed yeah, to our savior. The only thing that I can think of, like, movie-wise, off the top of my head is, like, Looper uh, has a kind of a similar thing, but it's it's not as stylized 
in that way. Looper is almost like more um, more like out of an anime or something yeah. instead of uh, instead of a superhero story. But Peter, can you think of any movie that's done this? I'm sure this kind of thing has been done in the comics before, but like movie wise, yeah, it's, it's definitely done in the comics. Like they have that whole Red Sun, which is like what if Superman landed in Russia instead yeah. of uh, the U.S. And that's uh, by the way, if you have never read that graphic novel you should go out and buy it it's great uh lex luther is basically the good guy superman is being used by the soviets as uh you know that's what you expect it, it it's it's a great take and i i hope one day they actually do a movie adaptation of that as weird as it would be i am super bummed that this trailer it was supposed to premiere a comic-con james gunn was going to be at comic-con and then all that stuff hit I think on the Thursday or Friday of Comic-Con, uh, all the James Gunn tweets and stuff, and he got fired from Guardians, I think, on Friday or something like that of Comic-Con. So he canceled his appearance at Comic-Con. This trailer would have played huge. I can't even imagine being in Hall H and them being like, yeah, we're going to show you this trailer for this James Gunn-produced horror film that you know nothing about. And then, you know, it starts off like Superman. I, I feel like that would have been... Ugh. That would have been so epic. Um, but uh, I'm excited for this. I'm wondering, like, you know, as a trailer, this works really well, but it almost borders on parody. And I'm wondering the first half of this movie, if it's going to kind of like be like, we've seen this story a billion times before. Like, I feel like maybe this trailer is not, you know, it, it's trying to show us, it's trying to sell it at this. I feel like it has to have more to it in that first half, right? think so i'm i'm wondering if this is just like the if the most of the stuff that we're seeing in the trailer is just from like the first you know 20 minutes of the movie or something and then it's more of a horror movie uh for for the whole thing but yeah i guess we're gonna have to wait and see and and figure out when does this come out this is 2019 this film was originally supposed to hit theaters in november of 2018 but got pushed back after the whole james gunn thing to may 24th 2019 so it now has mm -hmm. like a summer release which is okay. kind of crazy yeah um okay let's move on to some other news that came out of comic-con and that is that uh the spider-man far from home trailer premiered there but was not released online but from that panel, we got to learn a lot more about this next Spider-Man movie. Brad, what did we learn? Uh, so we got the basic uh, plot details about Spider-Man Far From Home because of all the reactions that came out of the, uh, the trailer premiere down at CCXP, which is what that convention is called. And also from uh, some of the, a few of the other outlets who happened to make the venture all the way down to Brazil to check out the convention there. And uh, these details actually came from Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal uh, themselves. So there's no real error in translation here because they were up on stage and uh, actually speaking English. So they weren't translated from uh, any Portuguese uh, language writing or anything like that. And so the, the basic plot of the movie is that there are these uh, beings known as elementals who have started wreaking havoc on the earth and uh, Nick Fury asks Spider-Man to team up with Quentin Beck who is Jake Gyllenhaal's character uh, in order to help dispatch with them so uh, apparently Quentin Beck is somehow knowledgeable about them and so uh, Nick Fury asks him to uh, work with Peter Parker to help deal with them because they're kind of wreaking havoc uh, around the world I, I, apparently so uh, to me, I, I think that, you know, should raise some eyebrows that Quentin Beck, for some reason, happens to know about these weird creatures that no one's really ever seen before. But, you know, this is a Spider-Man universe, so 
there's lots of, uh, you know, sort of sci-fi elements at, at work here. Um, obviously, we know that Quentin Beck becomes the villain known as Mysterio. So at some point, I would imagine there's probably going to be a reveal that either he's behind, you know, the creation of these elementals, or maybe he ends up turning because he realizes he can harness their power, something something like that, you know, th- that old superhero yeah. uh, formula. formula. In, in, um, in the comics, he's like the special effects wizard working in Hollywood that kind of loses his job and he uses like th- that kind of knowledge to become a villain. So like yeah. maybe these elementals are, you know, something he's created, but that I feel like, do you feel like we like are anticipating where this is going too much? Like this, like, you know, you look at the first Spider-Man uh, or Spider-Man homecoming from Marvel studios and I feel like there was a lot of surprise there, even though we knew who the vulture was and stuff like that. Like I feel like they're setting us up for a swerve. Like we're anticipating him becoming Mysterio and being involved with these elementals, which is also a weird thing. Like that sounds uh yeah, yeah, that's not all good sounds, to me. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, this all sounds very odd as far as Spider Man is concerned. Um, you know, I mean it's it's he's already gonna be it's already gonna be this fish out of water story because they're in Europe on a school trip when all this is happening. And bringing this like extremely alien presence into it feels odd for Spider-Man. Obviously, Spider-Man has is dealing with alien stuff because of Infinity War and presumably Avengers Endgame. Um, but having this be the focus in one of Spider-Man's solo movies feels a bit a bit strange. Um, one of the things that, that uh, we also learned from reactions from this trailer is apparently there is no acknowledgement whatsoever as to whether or not this movie takes place before Avengers Infinity War or after Avengers Endgame. So they're, it seems like they're going to market this movie and play those details close to the vest, at least until after Avengers Endgame is released, and then maybe they'll be a little bit more forthcoming about it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play this up, if they make it seem like it could happen at, at any time, so that it doesn't spoil the fact that Peter Parker maybe comes back in Avengers Endgame and survives. Yeah, but didn't the producer Amy Pascal already say where this took place? Uh, I mean, who, I mean, who, is that a spoiler? I mean, she said this publicly in interviews, right? Amy Pascal says a lot of things, and <laughs> well, she said it yeah. takes place after Avengers Four. So, I mean, which you would expect because this movie comes out after, uh, you know, Avengers Endgame. I gotta learn to keep on to now call it that instead of Avengers Four. I've been calling it Avengers Four for so long. Uh, this movie comes out in July, July fifth, two thousand nineteen, and uh, Avengers comes out in April, late April, right? Yep. Um, ben, uh, do, do you have any thoughts on the, the, these latest reveals? Um, I'm kind of right there with you. Like the elemental thing seems kind of strange, especially considering how small scale Spider-Man: Homecoming was. Um, that seems way, way bigger than like Michael Keaton as the vulture, uh, which is very like a, he had sort of like a personal relationship with Peter Parker. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious how that plays out. I'm curious about the Mysterio thing. Like how does that work? Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of questions here and hopefully the trailer will come online for the rest of us to see sometime soon. And I guess they showed Mysterio in costume in the trailer. Is that correct, Brad? Yeah, apparently they, they initially showed him with, without, uh, the helmet on, and then uh, towards the end of the trailer, they show him with the helmet on. Yeah, I, I do know that they were going to release the trailer online. They decided at the last minute not to. We don't know why, uh, but I'm assuming we'll get it maybe before the end of the year. The rumor, the rumored new release date was potentially December 18th, which 
seems like a little late because I would have you would think that they would want to attach it to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Um, but maybe it'll play in theaters over the weekend and then they'll release it online. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Studios are weird about like not wanting to have like a Star Wars trailer for the next Star Wars movie on a Star Wars movie. Like they like don't want the conversation to be mixed. They don't want you to get excited for the next thing before you get to see this thing. Um, because maybe they'll have you less excited for this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, another thing. This is uh, the Toxic Avenger is getting a remake and uh, Legendary Pictures has scooped up the rights. Ben, what do we know? Yeah, Hollywood has been trying to remake the Toxic Avenger since like 2010, I think was one of the first articles that we have on it in the Slash Film archives. And the the Toxic Avenger came out in 1984. It's a trauma movie, trauma entertainment. It's sort of this like trashy cult classic. It The plot is about this nerdy kid who is bullied and basically falls into a vat of toxic waste and comes out as like this mutated superhero who fights against um like rapists and and uh bullies and <laughs> just all sorts of terrible people in new jersey of all places um so yeah the i mean the uh, toxic avenger spawned multiple sequels there was an animated tv series that some of you may remember in the 90s yeah i used um, to watch that and i had like the action figures like that was in the age of like i think captain america and when there was like this whole kind of um environmental uh, message and kids programming. So Captain, Pla- Captain or, Planet. Or what did I say? Captain, Captain America. America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Captain Planet. Sure, Captain, sure Captain America loves the environment too. Yeah. Captain America <laughs> loves the environment too, Brad. So uh no, uh yeah, I meant Captain Planet. But um it was it was kind of weird because these Toxic Avenger movies are very uh R rated and uh how would you Brad, have you seen any of them? I, my only relationship with Toxic Avenger is even more tangential than yours because I, I remember the animated series when I was a kid, and I remember like seeing the action figures, but I never watched or was involved in, and had any interest in it. Well, they have a, a bit of like exploitation, and like they're very R-rated and indie and like this animated series was like for kids. It was it, I feel like this like something like this wouldn't happen today, but um. I'm wondering what Legendary Pictures is going to do with this property. Uh, I know Brian K. Vaughn just signed a deal with Legendary Pictures for the next three years. Uh, so he's going to be working on stuff for them. Maybe this is one of the things. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but uh, we'll have to see. Uh, like you said, Ben, this has been in the works for almost a decade. So chances are we won't even ever see it on the big screen. Yeah, and the only people that we know are associated with it are Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz, who co-directed the original movie. They are going to be on board as producers for this one for Legendary, even though Legendary bought the rights from Troma. So, um, a- a- I guess AKA they get a payday, and their names are on the movie. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, and then in terms of like other filmmakers or potential directors or writers or actors or any of that stuff, it's too early to know at this point. Lloyd Kaufman, I, I love him. He uh, pro, uh, like he had this book when I was a kid about uh, making independent movies um, that I, when I was becoming a filmmaker, I, I read and loved. Uh, but he's a very controversial person, and he says a lot of things that in this age where, you know, uh, James Gunn gets <laughs> kicked off Guardians 3 because of, uh, you know, for lack of better terms, a bunch of jokes – 
uh, so, uh, some you know politically incorrect co- uh, comments. Um, I just feel like it's it's only a matter of time once this gets going for Lloyd Kaufman to sabotage himself um, <laughs> because he just uh, can't keep his mouth closed. But uh, but again, I love him. Uh, let's move on to Jordan Peele's next movie. Over the weekend, we learned what this movie is about. It's called Us. And uh, Brad, we have the first uh, plot synopsis. Tell us about it. Indeed. Uh, we we got, got a hot tip over the weekend. Uh, and we found out what Jordan Peele's new movie is about. It's been largely under wraps and a mystery. But there are some uh, test screening invites being sent out for audiences. Uh, since the movie comes out in March, and the studio obviously wants to get an idea of how the audience feels about it, figure out how to market it, that kind of thing. And so the official plot synopsis uh, being sent out with these test screening invites reads thusly. A mother, uh, Academy Award winner Lupita Nyong'o from Black Panther, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and 12 Years a Slave, and a father, Winston Duke from Black Panther, take their kids to their beach house expecting to unplug and unwind with friends, including Emmy winner Elizabeth Moss from TV series The Handmaid's Tale. But as night descends, their serenity turns to tension and chaos when some shocking visitors arrive uninvited. Uh, So it's a pretty simple premise. Uh, Obviously... Knowing what Jordan Peele did with Get Out, I'm sure that there's much more than meets the eye here to this uh, plot synopsis. I mean, if you took Get Out and you made that kind of synopsis, it would sound as simple and generic as that did, right? Sure. Yeah, exactly. And so this, right now this sounds like uh, you know a, a sort of a typical home invasion kind of thriller, something like that. But there will very obviously be uh, some kind of new twist that Jordan Peele puts on it um, based on what, what he did with Get Out. Um, a lot of people, after we ran the story and whatnot, and we even noted this in our um, story, is that it also sounds like a very basic description of what happens in Darren Aronofsky's Mother, uh, where all of a sudden strangers start showing up at Jennifer Lawrence um, and uh, Javier Bardem's house, and things weird weird things start happening. Um, so I, I think it's unlikely that we're going to get like Jordan's Pe- Jordan Peele's take on Mother. <laughs> um, it just seems like to be a coincidence that they're both have the same vague description. But uh, it should be it should be interesting to see what this one is uh, all about. I, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that there is a secret screening at Sundance because that's what happened with uh, with Get Out when that was released. Yeah, I I, I would uh, I would think that that's probably a big possibility. Um, you know, it should be noted that this was a, a plot description that was released on uh, for a test screening to get people to sign up for this test screening. So that's why it has like, you know, it has this person from this movie and this person from that movie. And those things are usually kept kind of very vague, um, but they're very kind of to try to interest you into seeing that movie um ben do you have any thoughts on this uh, plot synopsis give me this movie right now this sounds so awesome i really and i mean i loved uh get out and jordan peele is the best and this sounds so cool i just can't wait to see this yeah i'm I'm wondering what larger themes this is going to be playing on um let's move to our last story and that is that a movie theater in London London is is going to st- or has started charging up to $52 for a movie ticket. Ben, what is going on here? Yes, so the Odeon Theater in Leicester Square in the heart of London has been closed for almost a year, uh, undergoing some really huge multi-million dollar renovations, and it is set to reopen later this month. And now uh, the ticket prices for certain seats in certain theaters are 
getting pretty astronomical. So they said that they are going to potentially charge over 40 pounds, which is approximately $52 for its most premium seat for Mary Poppins Returns, which is the uh, the movie that they're selling tickets for right now that comes out later this this month. So the highest tier, which they're calling their best ever seats, are in the Royal Box, where people will be able to sit in a fully reclining chair that provides extra width and extra leg room. Each seat in that section comes with an individual table. Uh, the theater that you're going to be, the screen that you're going to be looking at has laser projection and a Dolby Atmos sound system installed there. So... Yeah, that's that's fifty two dollars, though, for a single ticket. And I mean, it's all about like surge pricing and and flex pricing. So uh, the first week of a big movie like this is going to be more expensive than, you know, if you went way later in the run. Uh, this is also the price for like a, a prime time weekend uh, option. Um Odeon, which is the name of the the theater company, uh, responded to a public outcry about this, saying, with tickets starting at just 10 pounds for every show, it offers fantastic value compared to tickets for other popular destinations like the theater, concerts, or live sports. Price choices vary in flex depending on a number of factors, including seat type and location in the auditorium, what we're showing, time of day, and the number of people booking at one time. The first week of the biggest film of the year during the festival se- during the festive season is obviously peak. And guests can expect prices will flex throughout the year. So, I mean, comparing going to the movies to uh, like a live concert? sports or a concert or the theater is is sort of a ludicrous thing, I think. We're, we're, we're comparing a light being shined on the wall to like, you know, possibly hundreds of people performing a you know live production on stage. Right, right. Um, so, you know, this is just kind of ludicrous. Uh, you're, you're talking about $104 for two people to go see a movie. Um, and that's not even factoring in, you know, concessions or any other food or anything. So, uh, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't think there's any way that I would ever remotely even consider this. And I've seen some people like in our comment section and and responding to the tweet and stuff when when our story went out on Twitter saying that there are two other Odeon theaters within walking distance of this theater. So people should just go to another theater. I mean, this is like their their flagship theater. It's like one of the biggest, best ones around. And obviously, like uh, Dolby Atmos is terrific and laser projection is great. But like. Jesus Christ, like those prices are outrageous. Yeah, Leicester Square is basically the Times Square of London. Um, But I mean, even if you look at like Times Square in New York City and Manhattan, you know, you go to um, uh, AMC Empire 25 right right in the heart there. A ticket on a Friday night to an IMAX screening is 25 bucks. So that's half the price of this. Um, so that's pretty insane. Uh, Brad, I'm wondering what is the most money that you've ever spent to go see a movie and would you be willing to spend 50 bucks at this Leicester Square Odeon theater? Man, the most money that I've ever spent to go see a movie. Uh, I mean, it's probably right around 20 bucks or something like that for, for an IMAX screening somewhere, I, I, I would guess. And yeah, no, I'm, I definitely would not be willing to pay that much just to go see a movie uh, at that theater. I've I've been to uh, Leicester Square and I've been to <laughs> been to a theater there. Um, and if you've been to I, the I, theater there, then you've probably been to that theater. 
I, I, I think that I, I'm not sure exactly, but I, I, I think that was the theater where I went to the um, the European premiere of Kong Skull Island because I, I yeah they to... have all the premieres or most of the premieres in London yeah there. so yeah I must have been there and don't get me wrong it's a really nice uh, IMAX theater and and everything but I'm not even sure that I I would have paid. Uh, fifty bucks to go to the Kong Skull Island world premiere. <laughs> not that I, not that I didn't have fun, but like it's one of the things where like that's a lot of money to pay for a movie ticket when you know that, where I could see it much cheaper somewhere else for probably just as good of an experience. I spent um I think fifty dollars to see Star Wars: The Last Jedi at the Man's Chinese, or I guess it's TCL Chinese Theater on opening night at the first screening, but that was going to like some kids charity. Like it was for good seats and it was good cause. I think that's the most I've ever spent on a movie ticket. Um, I can't see myself spending $50 unless it was like the greatest movie theater in the world. Uh, Ben, how about you? Yeah, no, same. Uh, I mean, I, I think the most has been, yeah, like, I mean, maybe, maybe in the $25 range for like the, you know, the prime uh, time IMAX showings, but yeah, no, nothing beyond that. And like, I'm still, I'm still caught up on this comparison to like live theater and live <laughs> sports. It's just, it's so ridiculous for them to drop that in there as like, Oh yeah, it's fine. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a way better value than those other things. It's like, you can't just make that comparison. It's idiotic. Um, okay. Well that brings us to the end of today's slash film daily. Ben, where can people find more of your work online? You can find me at SlashFilm.com, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Pears. Brad, where can we find you? On Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. Also, my podcast, Go Flix Yourself, which has been a little dormant lately just because things have been hectic. But well, we'll be back on regular track imminently. You can find me at SlashFilm on all social media. You can find all the stories we talked about today in the show notes and on SlashFilm.com. This podcast, Slash Film Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to peter at slashfilm.com. And please go to our iTunes page. Give us a rating. Write us a like you know two-line review telling us why you love the podcast. Uh, tell your friends. Spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, I have a pitch for you guys. John McClane is on a space station. And shit goes wrong. <laughs> Die Hard in Space. Oh, you mean that movie with, with Guy Pierce? Space Jail, I think. Is yeah. The... But that was a jail. <laughs> That's totally different. <laughs> is it, though? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>